the Simply Focus with Elvis Chani and Dominic Gouda for live and joyandi. Welcome back to the Simply Focus podcast, the good life approach, your podcast for life in joy and ease. My name is Elfi Czerny. And I'm Dominic Gouda. Hi there. And today we welcome Bob Faw on our podcast. We are very grateful to finally, finally, finally have you on our podcast, Bob. Thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. For being here with us means we are in Niagara at the moment, close to the Niagara Falls, and we will visit them tomorrow for the first time for me, Dominic for the second time, and Bob is in Boston. So only nine hours drive compared to a few weeks ago when we were in Vancouver and had a little bit more to drive to visit Bob. And we actually visited you and spent great time with you in October and are still just thinking back so energized about our conversations about spending time with you and just hanging out with you basically and enjoying great conversations, energizing conversations inspiring conversations so thank you very much for that oh you're welcome it was a splendid visit really enjoyed it right now we're at the yogi bear park we were at the yogi bear park a few months ago in texas and when we saw that there is one niagara falls we realized that we want to go there and really have a good time because they have a bouncing pillow they have a pool they have all different kinds of things for kids and little bigger kids like we are and on sunday we enjoyed a gathering around the rv with free coffee and meaningful conversations so, Bob, the next time we're in Boston, we should definitely try to do something like that as well. That's great. That'd be awesome. It's such a pleasure to have you here, Bob. You came to Europe, you came to Solution Focus Conferences, and you always inspired us with these positive change ideas and your energizing way of being and, and doing things. So you're an author, you're a keynote speaker, you're a positive change agent and chief energizing officer. <laughs> such a great title. Energizing, the keyword, right? And right. talking about solution focus, which is one of the core ideas you use in your work. So, Bob, what fascinates you with solution focus? Well, one of the things that I'm most fascinated by is that, you know, as someone who's been fascinated with positive change for years, is that solution focus, I think it's really helpful for what it does to our brains. And I would love someday to actually see research specifically on solution focus tools, but from the things that I understand from positive psychology and the neuroscience that I've read, I think it's extremely helpful to essentially kick off the right kind of biochemistry so that we're in a positive state of mind where uh, the cortisol, which is a stress hormone, right, calms down, we're more creative, more ability to think outside the box. And it helps people that are feeling stuck, right? So when people are really in a stuck mode, they've got a lot of cortisol. And the solution-focused approaches, almost everyone I've seen, essentially helps people get out of that mind frame and into a place of creativity. Mm -hmm. Probably kicking off dopamine, endorphins, and different things like that to help people really be in their best state. For some people, when they first look at solution focus, it just sounds like, well, they're just questions, it's just words, or you're just being nice or whatever. But I think there's a real biological difference. And I know for myself, I've been a change agent for 30 years now, and I've been using solution focus for the last 15, 18 years. And huge difference from my problem focus approach before I got into this and this. People changed a lot easier. Uh, matter of fact, I was with a, a colleague who said, boy, isn't it terrible that we come up with these ideas and the CEOs don't use them? And I looked at her and I said, actually, they do with me. Uh, most of the time, they do. And it works pretty well. One of the great things is that coming to a solution focus 
is you're looking for what's already working so you don't make enemies of people. The old problem approach would come in to look for problems. So we end up being not, I should say we, not you two, I'm sure, but me sometimes alienating my client by saying, well, let's look at the problems here. Or here's what you did wrong. And people would get defensive. They'd close down. And as I said before, the brain chemistry would shut them down. And I didn't realize that, right? So I shifted around. I started using solution focused approaches and started looking at the things that they're working for them and what's happening and where their best examples and where they want to go. And people just lit up and they now treated me like a welcome friend or like an uncle coming to help them out versus this intruder. And I think it's like there's been research on therapy where it's not the modality that matters, it's the relationship in terms of the efficacy of therapy. And I think it's the same thing for us as external partners or consultants or whatever coming into work. Solution focus right there just makes the relationship better. And of course, one of my favorite things is it helps uncover what's beautiful, what's strong, what's wise, all the great things that are working for people very, very quickly. Hmm. And life is short. So might as well enjoy those things and build on those things anyway. It's not only more productive, it makes more money, but it's a whole lot more fun. In the end, I find that's the big thing is I find that it's good for my heart. It's more fun. And there's just a lot more love in the world, you know, as we do this. I mean, you two are great examples of spreading love all over North America. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> Oh, wow, thank you. I love what you said, like this highlighting of what works and by that becoming not the intruder, but becoming the friend, the uncle, as you put it. What else do you do to invite greatness, to invite brilliance, to, well, sparkle and energize organizations and invite them to come to the place of creativity? Well, so many things. Solution Focus has a lot of great questions. I also use certain games or energizers. Like I have a couple of rounds in the first experience, they tend to go into problem approach and they get very low scores. And then I give them a little nudge and all of a sudden that, you know, a solution focused question, boom, and their scores skyrocket. And so I like those kind of activities where they can feel it. They can not only feel it here, but they look on the scoreboard and they see, wow, look how much better we're doing. We're getting along better and we're scoring high. So I like, I really like experiential activities that get people up and laughing. And then I'm asking them what the lessons are. They're telling me what the lessons are instead of me mm. having to teach them. Do you have a concrete example for that? So there's one game. Are you familiar with the thumb war game? For those who can't see us, I was trying to demonstrate. So it's people put their hands together as if they're shaking hands, but instead their fingers are hooked together and they're trying to pin each other's thumb down. And in thumb war, whoever gets the most points wins. What I do is I have up on the big slide there and it says, your goal is to get as many points as you possibly can in 30 seconds. Oh, and it says thumb game across the top. It doesn't say thumb war. It doesn't say mm -hmm. thumb battle. It says thumb game. And so they get together with a partner and I say, earn as many points as you can. So all around the room. So sometimes I have hundreds of people in the room. Yeah, and they're all doing this and they're fighting each other and they're laughing. And about 5% of people paid attention to what I actually said and they cooperate to earn. But most people are really proud if they get three or four points. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe five points. And so I ask people to raise their hands. Hey, raise your hand if you got zero points. Raise your hand if you got one to four, five to 10. And then eventually someone raises their hand that got over 40 points. And everyone in the room is going, what? You cheated. And they said, well, actually, they didn't cheat. What they did was they looked for a solution right? They listen to the rules and they actually create a solution together. And then they demonstrate for people. And so I asked them, so what did they do? Well, you thought you had to compete against each other. They said, we can compete against everybody because we have full resources of 30 seconds of two thumbs. And so by looking at what you have first, look at your resources first, what the actual goal is, you come up with much, much better solutions. And occasionally someone says, well, but we had fun. I said, yeah, but they're still having fun because they won. <laughs> <laughs> so Dominic and I just tried it and we had a lot of fun. <laughs> Three points. <laughs> 
I had 50 at least. No. <laughs> Thanks for letting me win. <laughs> I mean, we are human beings. We're wired to be both problem focused and solution focused. And the more I can use activities to bring out the solution focus so they own it, so they express it, and then they feel like they're saying, hey, this is the way to be instead of me telling them. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love teaching people things. But even more than that, I love for them to learn it mm -hmm. and own it. Mm -hmm. So the more I can get them to teach each other and teach me, and then I just sort of fine tune it. Or then I say, you're absolutely right because of this. And by the way, here's some brain science that supports what you just said. I also ask them about great stories before we start anything. You know, what's your best experience in the past of doing something like this? And it changes the mood in the whole room, like a five minute conversation. And again, even if there's hundreds of people, I hear from a few people and then share some of the brain science about why that worked. And I ignore the things that they say that are wrong or whatever. I just pick out the good stuff, highlight that, and that's what we build the rest of the day on. Mm. So yeah, it's a blast. Oh, I love that. So also here, the question of what do you focus on and what do you highlight and how do you ignite passion and and performance even more. Your book is called Energize, Ignite Passion and Performance with User-Friendly Brain Tools. And you just mentioned a few of the ways you get into a meeting like that, into a conversation like that. What is your most favorite brain tool that you use? Actually, you know, it's funny because you've used this word multiple times today, but the thing that I taught and I hear back from the most is the highlights, yeah. where I ask people to share their daily highlight. What was the best thing from the day? And if they do that as a practice, particularly with family members or work teams or whatever, they start to get more positive together. They start to see what the other person values, the things that they enjoy. And recently, actually, I kind of updated a little bit because somebody came up and they said, well, so we're doing daily highlights, but we also say, what's your highlight and your low light? I said, so here's the thing. You're training them to be more confident and save a good stuff. You're also training them to whine if you say look for the lowlights. So instead, get the highlights and then say, is there a challenge that we can help you with? Mm -hmm. Don't train your children or don't train your staff to just pick at little things that irritate them. Most of those things don't matter and they're gone and your brain forgets them unless you bring them back up. Instead, what's something that, you know, it's productive. Mm -hmm. So it, And I don't use problem, the word problem. I say, what's a challenge that we can help with. So it's very much a solution-oriented question. And I do that with my nephew and niece. I do that with teams. And it's great to see us get together as a team and try to help somebody with an interview or a work project or feeling anxious or asking someone on a date or, you know, whatever it might be. We help each other out. Yeah. Positive priming. So in neuroscience, they talk about priming, right? So everything that happens to us affects how we make our next decision, affects our mood, affects our decision-making, all that. So more and more, I'm teaching people about how to be mindful about purposely priming yourself by thinking of a past event that was successful or a past event where you did something well. And I've been talking about sort of like, you know how there's YouTube, everybody goes watch YouTube movies or stuff to change your mood, right? You go watch cat videos or something. So I'm talking about MeTube videos. Have MeTube in your own head, upload MeTube videos on purpose where you purposely pick a most relaxing moment in your life or a happy time or a successful time or a time where you're really strong or confident. And you can play those right before a particular meeting, right before a hard conversation. Essentially to help bring yourself to be really mindful of the best of who you are in that moment. And the science shows that that kind of priming can help you literally be more intelligent in that moment or mm -hmm. more confident. Essentially, a lot of the solution-focused tools do exactly that same thing. They prime people to be at their best and move in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So when you work with teams, Bob, for instance, how do you do that there to set like this me tube or is it then the team tube? Well, what I do is, so this is usually part way into the program and I've taught them about the brain. Our brains have a negativity bias that tends to skew things toward the negative and we have to rebalance it. And then I get to the point, so we've already built some rapport, right? Because you don't want to do this right at the beginning because it's kind of vulnerable. And I ask people, I say, or oh, if you're comfortable, 
Just sit with both feet flat on the floor. You know, sit up straight, but relax. Put your hands on your legs. Take some slow, deep breaths. If you're comfortable, close your eyes. And just think about the most peaceful time in your entire life that you can remember. It could be a place. It could be a location. It could be a person. It could be a pet. Just whatever it is, but something that when you think about it just makes you so relaxed. And then as I talk about it, I, my voice gets quieter and calmer. Mm. And I walk them through that and tell them to savor it and go deeper into it. What's the most peaceful part? And focus on that. And we just keep diving deeper and deeper into it. I go for about a minute. And then at the end, I say, okay, gently open your eyes. How do you feel differently than you did 90 seconds ago? And most people will say things like, oh, I feel so much more relaxed. I feel energized. I feel like I can take on the day. So I'm teaching them, you can take a break anytime to re-energize yourself, to restore yourself, and that also then you can use it right before you go into something challenging and you're going to be a much better state of mind. You're going to be the best you you can in the moment. And people often love that experience. And I do this on webinars and live, sometimes with 10 people, sometimes with 600 people. Yeah. And you do this also for yourself. Yes. I, mean, I remember meeting you as a person who's really yeah. walking the talk. Yeah. What I'm walking to talk and I'm thinking the thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, as you two know, I mean, it's, this is something that actually has been life-saving for me. I use this a lot to help me in a variety of ways. So there's two major challenges that I've dealt with over the years. So one is, as a kid, I experienced some really severe violence, so I had post-traumatic tension disorder. And so my brain was intruding a lot of negative thoughts, a lot, particularly as a young man, a lot of negativity. So I had to really balance that on purpose. I had to start choosing what to think about more and more. Mm. It doesn't mean ignoring bad things. It doesn't mean pretending it doesn't exist, but just choosing to focus more on what's beautiful about people. That was one of my big techniques, was looking for what's beautiful in people, what's good about the world. That's part of why when I found Solution Focus, I'm like, yes, my people, this is hope for me. <laughs> so it really helped me retrain my brain because I was a very sarcastic, negative person when I was younger and I wanted to be a more positive person in the world. But also over time, I have chronic pain that got worse and worse. I've not been able to drive for about four years. I used to dance a lot, can't do that. I used to ski, can't do that. I used to go rock climbing. So just one thing after the other, I stopped being able to do and a lot of pain. And even traveling and work has become very difficult. So as you can imagine, when most of what you love to do, you can't do anymore. It's easy for someone to become depressed or bitter or frustrated. So one of the things that I do is I let myself have some time to feel the, the hard feelings, right? That's okay to feel it for a little bit of time. And then I start focusing on what can I do? What are all the things that I can do? Even make a list if I have to. And one of the things I can do is I can walk and I can go down the street and I can talk and I can walk and talk so I can make a difference in people's lives. I can make people laugh. I can give someone a smile. I can crack a joke. You know, just there's so many things. And thankfully, my work involves mostly walking and talking right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I still get to work and I love that. And I get to be on a podcast with you two. So there's just so many beautiful things still left to do that that keeps life meaningful and beautiful. And don't get me wrong, I still do treatment, trying to get better. But I also, it's important to spend a fair amount of time really appreciating the good stuff that I can do. So mm. life is good now. Mm. And you're such a great example, full of energy. People can hear that on the podcast, how you energizing yourself. Yeah. And others. And others, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. He said, looking at what is there, what resource you still have, or you could say what is still working, what are other ways in your daily life that you do that energize you? One of the big things is looking for what's beautiful in other people. I first started doing that so that I'd become a less judgmental person. That was the big goal. And what I didn't realize is it would also make me a much happier person. And one of the things that I love about all the practices I've just talked about is that they're all genuine. 
right? It's authentic emotion. It's not pretending to be happy. Like I tried that at first and that was okay. But <laughs> genuine things, right? That's what I love about solution focus and the different practices we're talking about is focusing on what really is real. What is, are the real resources? What are the beautiful things that are happening? And positive priming, thinking about real memories. It's not sort of the fake thing about, hey, I can, do, I can be whoever I want to be. I'm like, no, I can't. I want to be an astronaut. But I get sick in those little teacup rides. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I get claustrophobic <laughs> in a plane. <laughs> I would not do well in those things. But instead, I can say, what are my resources? What are my strengths? And I love to speak, and I love to teach, and I love to travel, and I love to help people. How can I be the best of me? And that brings authentic joy and satisfaction. So I have no idea what your question was anymore, but I just love talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, that was the question. So okay, what else are you doing? <laughs> Let's keep with this question for a while. It's so beautiful to listen to your stories. Sure. Well, another big piece here. I used to moonlight as an improvisational comedian, and I still do it with some of my clients, but I no longer do it as a standalone service to sell. So one of the things I like to do is I like to make strangers laugh. You know, and I like to make them laugh in a comfortable way. <laughs> <Just explain. laughs> and what that requires is really paying attention to people. Where are they at? You know, don't talk to someone if they're in a terrible mood. If they have sort of like a warning sign around, don't approach me. Pay attention where people are at. Notice what's good about them. Notice what's interesting. So when I'm on the train and there's a child who, you know, who's playing with something and it's really cute, and I'll look at the parents and see how they're relating with the kids. And then maybe I'll just say something really great about the kid. And the parents just beam with pride. And the kid looks up like, oh. And then I make a joke about it so everybody's laughing. For me, it's, I mean, it's the same thing what you're doing on a much bigger scale around North America. It's just going around and making people's day. It's such a beautiful thing. And once again, uh, like I had someone tell me that you just give without expecting anything back. I'm like, hold on a second. I'm greedy. <laughs> I'm doing this because it feels wonderful to do. Mm -hmm. It's not just giving away. It's a both. You know, I'm trying to give something meaningful to others, but it also feels beautiful to me. Also creating those experiences for you and yourself. Yeah. So I'm feeling essentially filling my life with many, many micro beauty experiences, mm -hmm. right? All this beauty all over the place. Because it's easy to say, well, the exciting thing is going to Vegas and speaking to 600 people or going to speak in this big conference. And yeah, but what makes up most of life is the travel from place to place place. Mm -hmm. The day-to-day -day people that I see, you know, and just making a difference in people's lives and being able to be friendly to the taxi driver, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Letting other people shine and saying yes and, and these things yeah. remind me of improv. And I yeah. know, or we know you had an improv career as well. So how does that come in with solution focus for you? It really helpfully, actually, particularly as everybody knows, right, politics in the United States are very polarized right now. And a lot of times if I ask a question, people assume I'm being judgmental, even when I'm not. So the yes and piece is really helpful because I've discovered that I can talk to most people, about 90% of people, by first looking for something to agree with. Whether it's a feeling that they're talking about, like, oh, I totally understand. You want to feel secure. I get that. You want to make sure you have a job tomorrow. I totally understand that. Would you be interested in some data, some research about what actually creates a stronger economy for us, right? But if I just go, hey, the truth is immigration strengthens our economy, Rawr, we just fight. Mm -hmm. But starting by understanding where they're coming from so they know, I mean, they can get, I have to be authentic about this, 
But when I can authentically do that, people are like, wow, this guy cares about me. He sees me and listens to me. So then when I come in with ideas, they're far more likely to listen. But I find that the more resistant they are, the more I spend time talking about what they care about. And I definitely lead questions toward things that might build common ground. You know, I don't ask questions about things I disagree with. Like, yeah, isn't that whole class of people evil? I don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more like, I can get why you're scared. Mm-hmm. Let's talk, where do you feel safe? What works for you? And then gradually see if we can lead them to some good solution that might help everybody. So if I would love to learn more about improv, what particular things would you give me to build these kind of conversations? I mean, for anyone who wants to learn, most Western world right now has classes in every city. So that's a good thing you'll practice in. But in terms of just your day-to-day things right now is try to practice a few times a day with people that you have a conversation with. It's ideally someone you have a relaxed conversation with because it's easier to practice first. And when they're talking to you, instead of thinking about what you're going to say next, listen deeply and look for what you really like about what they're saying. And then say, so comment on that. Right. So for example, I really like Elfie the way you're looking for gems. You're looking for practical tools about what you can use and how you can put yes and into practice. And I want to be able to share ideas that can build on that and can make a difference in people's lives. So I really listen to what you say and then build upon it. And even if someone's really hurting, for example, because sometimes people think solution focus is ignoring the negative, right? Which is not. So someone comes to me and they're scared of losing their job. Maybe one of their friends just got laid off. And I say, yeah, I totally get it. That is painful. That is scary stuff. That's really hard. It makes it hard to pay attention. Whew, let's take a deep breath. So what can we do best to keep that job now? What is it we can do to make sure that we, we're doing the best we can despite the fear? So we're not going to pretend the fear doesn't exist. We're not going to minimize our feelings. We're just going to take a little bit of time there and then move to what we can do. Mm. So it's really meeting people where they're at. And I think that's one of the big things that's really helps and has made me a much nicer person as just through practicing it, which I like. I so much love this story because I'm trained as an actress and improv really changed my life and exactly by listening. And we had this exercise where everyone was sitting on a chair and everyone knew when he died and what profession he or she had. We were sitting there and had to create the stories of how we died and always moving up and everyone had one sentence to say. So I started with the first sentence, maybe what my profession was or whatever. And then the next person told her story. The third person told his story. And then somehow we had this really, truly magic moment because when we started, not to think of our next sentence, but just listening to what the Um, one person, the other person, the third person said, our story started to woven together and became one story. So we met each other in our life suddenly and it was this awesome co-creation I will never ever forget. And I think this was really one of the most profound teachings for me in learning what it means not to think further, but listening (laughs) and not staying with my story or anything, but just listening to the next and co-creating a beautiful story together. Yes. Well, and to build on that, I think that is how most of life is built, is co-created. Mm-hmm. right? John Lennon said, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans, mm-hmm. right? So it's always happening. So you might as well pay attention to the now. It doesn't mean you don't have plans, of course. You have plans, but uh, listen closely and build upon each other's stuff. And it, that makes something much better. 
And we had this preferred future of telling the story and coming to an end, which I think is also one of the improv principles, right? You don't want to go forever, but you want right, to right. come to an end one time. And I just never will forget how much I felt alive in this moment, how energized I was just by yeah. listening. So thank you for yeah. reminding me of that with your stories. <laughs> You're welcome. I think there's something about being that mindful and so present that brings energy and liveliness. And it's not hard to do. You say being present, and I remember pictures of you at Garden of the Gods in Colorado, Colorado Springs, and yeah. how the scenery inspired you, why you let yourself touch by the scenery, and really in this present moment, such a lovely video that you posted there. And it reminded me of how we can be touched by listening, by being in this present moment, and co-create together, not with our next question in mind, but really with listening and building on that, and building a good question just in this moment. So what else inspires you, Bob? You just hit something around just beauty in general, right? So that the Garden of Gods is these beautiful rocks, formations, and cliffs, and the color is amazing. And there's a psychologist, Rick Hansen, he wrote a book, Buddha's Brain, and he talks a lot about savoring the moment, savoring the good things. So one of the things I notice is there's a lot of people that seem to be afraid of being cliche or being corny or all this kind of stuff. And my response is, if it's real, it's okay. Who cares if it's been said a billion times? None of that stuff matters. Don't let those fears get in the way of experiencing depth of life. And so looking for beauty in nature, looking for beauty in people, looking for beauty, like I subscribe to a number of different positive news outlets, To hear just, you know, the person who walked 20 miles to a job so somebody gave him a car. There's so many beautiful acts in the world. Mm -hmm. And purposely curating, you know, our world, we experience, we can consume a certain amount of information every day. And purposely saying, I'm going to experience at least 60% of that positive. There's so much negative news. It doesn't mean you ignore the negative news, but you just keep it to a reasonable balance and enough positive stuff. And it makes life beautiful now. And I think if you're full of life and joy, you're far more likely to also want to make a difference around justice mm -hmm. and step up. Because I find if you don't that and you pay too much attention to only negative, people often go into despair and they just give up or they turn to violence mm -hmm. and it fails. So it's the same thing. It's sort of balancing all that. And you say stand up for something and not against something. So also this yeah. kind of very solution-focused way of looking at it, looking at what we want instead of yes. what we don't want, what is there to yes. use yes. to get there where we want to be. Yeah, I love what you just said there, Dominic. I think that's a big piece is really being much more concerned about what you want to create. And then you may find people that you thought were your enemy agreeing with you about what you want to create. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you start with what you hate, wow. <laughs> just so many people get turned off so fast. Mm. Like I have some friends in social media where they'll say negative things about things and it makes me not want to talk to them. Yeah. Even though I agree, I understand their feelings, but they're so negative. So essentially if they say, oh, white people are all this way or this group is all this way. I'm like, or Republicans are like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. People are people. Let's stop. Let's talk about what we want to create and how to do that. Yeah, I think there's just so much that we can build upon. And one of the things too is that if you look at positive change socially, it's often made through compassion because people care, but they see somebody being hurt and they have compassion. And outrage helps get attention, but really transforms a lot of people on the border is that compassion. So for example, racism is a big topic in America and England, actually in Austria and a number of places right now as well, right? It's on the rise in a lot of places, not in a big way, but noticeably, markedly. And sometimes people say, well, 
wow, racism is terrible. And it's like, all right, just keep in mind that there has been millions of people that have been helping it get better for generations. And it's always gone backwards at times. So give everyone who's worked on this credit and look for the beauty. Look for all the people that are trying to make a difference around it. And look for all the people who are helping. And if you see someone doing a slightly exact, but they're unintentional, don't attack them. Thank them for doing the good stuff. And then say, hey, here's one other thing you might want to think about, right? The yes and thing again. Thank them for the good thing and give them an idea for being even better versus mm-hmm. attacking them for not being perfect because mm-hmm. that just divides and alienates people. Wow, yeah. wow. wise words. So I, I just read them off of a back a cereal box. It was not yeah, mine. Yeah, maybe it's all scripted, isn't it? <laughs> it's all scripted. <laughs> So let me come to the next question on my list. Bob, from all the things we talked about right now, if there is one thing you think this is the most important, profound thing you really want to have our listeners seeing, what is that? I would say if you want to make a difference in the world about something bigger than you, first, create a positive goal for it, as we said. Second, Find out who's already doing something good and beautiful about it. Three, find a way to build on those things by making positive changes in the right direction. And just whenever you can, celebrate people doing the right thing. That's the most important thing. And then when someone's doing something really bad, step in with love and say, I think this person deserves better, right? So don't be a bystander, step in, but try to do it with a way that gets both people inspired, not just the person who's being quote unquote victimized, right? Inspire both of them to leave better people so by loving them all. Wow. wow. Is this the challenge of the week for our listeners? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great challenge. Yes, I think. And one thing I would say is an additional challenge is to find people that you disagree with, not necessarily the extremist, but find people just in general that you disagree with on some things and first find out something beautiful about that person and talk about that before you address anything else. Hmm. Talk with the person about that. Yeah, tell yeah. the person if you can. Yeah. Yeah. And even do what I call positive gossip. So gossip is a human need. You know, we have this need to talk about other people. Well, positive gossip, tell other people what's good about that person. Hmm. And it gets around and it helps. But I think that's a big one. But yeah, I like your, the challenge of the week is maybe those three steps. Hmm. Find something you want to make a change about, make a positive goal, look at for who's already doing beautiful things about it, and then try to find positive ways to build on that and catch people doing it right. Celebrate it. Thank you very much for this challenge. It shows so much of your brilliance to do a little positive gossip. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, so let's enhance your brilliance even more or seeing your brilliance even more. What have you liked the most about this podcast? Wow. Well, I feel like this podcast has been a great example of the yes and where we're building the energy into it. I mean, you two are already masters at what we're talking about. And yet you're talking to me and pulling out my intelligence and my knowledge, setting a stage for me to really show the best of what I've learned. I'm really grateful for that, particularly because I know how good you are at it and you're bringing it out, which is a beautiful thing. And I think one of the things I love about it is that we all come out feeling good. No one has to be lower than anybody else. Yeah. Thank you very much, Bob. And I believe there are a lot of people out there who would love to connect with you. So where are possibilities to connect with you, to find you, to get you for a speaking engagement? Sure. Thank you. Yes. My company is Matchbox Group. So you can go to matchboxgroup.com, all one word. You can also go to YouTube and look up Bob Fall, B-O-B-F-A-W. I've got a YouTube channel as well. So those are two ways to access me right there. Yeah. 
Perfect. And you will find both of it in our resource section of this podcast as well on www.sfventure.com slash Simply Focus Podcast and then go to episode 22. Already. Wow. You'll also find Bob's book, Energize, Ignite Passion and Performance with User-Friendly Brain Tools. And Bob also agreed to be on our website to answer your questions, to comment on what inspired you. And we invite you as usual to share what inspired you with this podcast to share with us how the challenge of the week works for you and to comment on that on www.sfontour.com slash Simply Focus Podcast episode 22. And subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry and soon on Spotify. If you want to meet with Dominic and myself, we will have a lovely barbecue around our party, our beautiful painted RV <laughs> On July 29th in Toronto. You will find more about that also in the comments field or on Facebook. It's called Barbecue Around the RV. And you'll meet some other great people there. Pam King will be there. Hey Sam Moon will be there. Boyan Ko will be there. Simon Lee will be there and many others. We are very much looking forward to meet you there. And again, a big thank you to you, Bob. We are looking forward to meeting you again soon, hopefully. Yeah, you're such a great role model for us. And we're looking forward to energize each other when we see each other next time. Excellent. Thank you. I look forward to it as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.